Hey, what's going on? It's Frankie from 97.1 ZHT, and you're listening to All You Radio, and you are the only one listening to All You Radio right now. Just kidding. These are good guys. A lot of people listen to them. And welcome back to All You Radio. I'm Johnny McKeon. With me in studio, as always, sadly, Sasha Bloom. Go fuck yourself, Johnny. <laughs> Filling in for uh, Brittany Johnson is Sarah Isaacson. How you doing, Sarah? Good. Hi, everyone. And our featured guest of the week is photographer extraordinaire Miguel Mendoza. <laughs> hey, y'all. How's it going? <laughs> Miguel, I, I love your name so much. Oh, like every you. time I think about it, I think about a. Uh, 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 did you ever watch Simpsons with McGain, uh, with McBain, and they used to say, "We gotta get Mendoza." Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember those episodes. Super funny. <laughs> you yeah, um, Miguel. You and I we go way back. But one of my favorite things about you is you are seriously one of the most talented photographers that I know in real life. Like that I've seen. Like I love your stuff. You're shaking your head. What you don't think your work is good? No, I think I think it's. Um, to a certain extent, some artists and photographers kind of need to be a little bit into themselves, and I try to keep myself humble-ish for the most part. So it's, like, really nice and flattering to hear that from you, especially, like, you know a lot of other photographers, too, especially being in this industry in particular. Yeah, but every time I see your stuff, I'm liking it. I'm loving it. You, you can find it at uh, migpixel.com. That's M-I-G-P-X-L. It's also the same for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that. So when did you first figure out that photography, like, you had this skill at photography? It was an accident. Really? Complete accident. So um, I, I basically got started. I took this class at the U um, with Patrick Cohn, um, one of my photo- – well, my, my photography professor. Um, I had to take it in order to graduate early because I didn't want to spend another you know $10,000 on like another year of college to finish yeah. with an oh, honors yeah. thesis and all that shenanigans up there. So I took it and I kind of just – you know. Dicked around a little bit. I didn't really take it super seriously because I was super set on like working advertising and in uh, marketing, which is where you yeah, know we, we, we yeah. yeah we we um, met and had a few classes together. What was interesting though is like hey you know he said I like some of your photos. I think you should keep going with it. And I kind of took his advice and I just went with it. And here I am four years later, and this is literally all I do. So yeah, you shoot uh, you shoot for certain like concerts and venues. Uh, which, which ones are those? So I shoot uh, my first client, um, my biggest client for that matter, is the complex. Um, it's right behind the gateway. I shoot a lot of the concerts over there. Really great place. There's four venues there, and it fits. I want to say about the biggest venue fits about 2,800 people altogether. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, there's this new club called Sky uh, Sky SLC. I like shooting there too. A lot of big uh, dance music names pass through there. I uh, shot there actually last night for SantaCon. Like, really? they were, like I think the first stop um, in like 15 different bars throughout downtown Salt Lake. So if any of you say that there's nothing to do in Utah, yeah, no, go find it. It's out there. Definitely. It's out there. There's so much to do. And then I shoot for Sky, the Complex. I sometimes shoot for Lumpies too. I used to shoot over at Elevate, a really great place. Love the love the uh, general manager there, Chad. He's, he's a homie. He's really cool as a person. Um, used to shoot over at Park City Live, um, and then, yeah, I just shoot wherever they need me for so, the most so part. So walk me through this. How do you prepare for, like, shooting at a concert? Like, walk me through the steps. What do you do? Okay, so as a concert photographer, even as a concert goer, number one thing that everyone needs, earplugs. 
Like, always mm. wear protection. That applies to concerts for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then I make sure that I have all my gear ready, laid out, and I put a packet in a bag. Um, it kind of depends on how big or small the shoot is. I might have my uh, little Ona bag um, that I travel with that looks, you know, not necessarily like a camera bag. It looks more like a satchel. Yeah. You know? I've seen that. Indiana yeah. Jones had one. So, <laughs> so wait, you have... I mean, I've checked out your photography. It's amazing. You've got oh, photos you. of everyone. I mean, Flume, like every artist that's rolled through town, like yeah. you're up close, personal. They know your name. Like you've done a great job. Now, you said you were focusing in school on advertising and marketing mm-hmm. and you kind of just took photography last. Yeah. So where does skill, intuition, talent fit in with what you do? Okay, so let me um, back up then. So before I switched into studying Stratcom, I used to go to UC Irvine for uh, biomedical engineering, and my emphasis there was yeah. So, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> and my emphasis was light and magnetism physics because my um, my thesis back then uh, I had to sign an NDA, so I couldn't talk about the specifics of the uh, project that I was working on was uh, the development of artificial ophthalmic tissue, which is basically oh. how they. Yeah, wow. testing on like, <laughs> you know, in order to test for eye diseases, now they yeah. use, they usually use like fresh human eyes or fresh uh, porcine eyes or pi- por- pig eyes, essentially. Yeah. Um, so then after having studied all those light magnetism stuff, it applied to photography and then composition just goes in with design and marketing. Um, the color stuff just comes naturally. It depends on the, if you like warm colors colder colors it really depends um a lot of it is wow. just color psychology so that's where that's all cool. those skills kind of mesh together so that's why it's a complete okay. accident the <laughs> so technique comes from like science and the left brain type yeah. a a little bit kind of yes. informs your art a little bit. yeah it's really funny one thing if you check out his stuff you see like the colors really play a huge factor in a lot of your photos yep. like they're gorgeous thank you yeah um if you uh look like my goal in particular whenever i go and photograph any artist is I try to feed off their vibe. And if it's, you know, a really vibrant, good show, I try to really exemplify that, especially with some of those dance music DJs out there. If it's a big rock show, like, the, for example, 1979 yeah. uh, for the um, the half-ass show, I believe. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I tried to really bring out the neon just because, like, their set was really built that way. So I tried to bring out that color um, mm-hmm. into a lot of the photos and that energy. And well, are I, you using filters and gels on your lenses? Um, you know, um, not really. A lot of the uh, colors in particular I just capture, and then sometimes I need to bring it out a little bit more in post-production in uh, either Photoshop or Lightroom. But whatever I capture isn't super Photoshop to the point where it's telling a false story, which is – No, I, I, yeah, I, I, the enhanced. reason why I yeah. ask is because – People who are photographers are often lumped into journalism. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of photogs across the world who are horrifically manipulating images and creating a false storyline. Mm-hmm. Do you worry about that in your artwork? You know, it depends on the client. And that's going to be, you know, it, it really depends because there's different types of music photographers out there. You're going to get... People who are photojournalistic doing stories. For example, one of my friends out in uh, Florida, Ian Whitland, he shoots a lot for Red Bull. And his main job is to capture the brand. But also he works for like the Miami, uh, I think one of the papers in Miami, where his job is to capture music but in a photojournalistic style. So there's really two different types of segments. So with Red Bull and that genre of Mm -hmm. advertising, they want the crowds pumped. They want the colors bright. Mm Mm-hmm. 
with the photojournalism aspect of this guy's job, they want more of the lines in the face and the shading of the hands and that soul that you can see from a good photo? Yeah, uh, I would say that for sure, just because um, his goal in particular sometimes, at least from what I can tell, is to capture what's going on, not to necessarily uh, try to frame the event in whatever filter his um, client wants to see. For example, he wants to capture what he's seeing right then and there. Like, for example, a lot of papers in particular, and you'll see this regularly now with a lot of magazines, there's a lot of controversy in regards to using Lightroom and Photoshop now where they actually just want you to shoot JPEG and send it off to the client. No photo manipulation whatsoever. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Um, There's just been a lot of controversy because there's a lot of do- damage done with mm-hmm. imagery. Look, for instance, look at the American woman. Yeah, mm. I was going to bring this they up. They have been <laughs> devastated yep. by Photoshop and by the chopping off of the heads by Esquire and Glamour mm-hmm. magazine and the complete sexual exploitation yeah. of women. And I think men are starting to go through that too now with the Calvin Klein yes. and the yep. penis shots and all that kind of stuff. That you see. <laughs> we know that Calvin Klein is You've a You've been doing a lot shot. of research, Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, stu- I studied this it's stuff true. in school. Yeah. And, it's true. It is. You it know? Is. Yeah. yeah, I remember um, there was some controversy about several women who were like, I'm not going to be photoshopped in mm-hmm. Vogue. And Lena Dunham was, and people were upset. And she's like, fine, I'm not. And like, <laughs> yeah. it's there's been a strange, yeah. Megan Trainor's music videos, people yep. complain that she was slimmed down digitally in her music videos. Yeah. yeah. And one of the great things about photography and capturing image is that there, like you brought up earlier, there's a great Mm -hmm. psychological component to it. Because when you're watching a video or a movie, they're actually not moving on the screen. It's it's a perception in your head, and so you can manipulate images and you can manipulate a human being's cognitive awareness very easily and there's a dark science to that whole thing that's why i'm I'm happy you're in here to kind of go into these places because i find as someone who works professionally in images um i wouldn't call myself a professional photographer but yes you can no i don't think (laughs) i don't think very many people should have that right to call themselves photographers true really why because they're not good at it. Go on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Thank you. That's true. I didn't study eyeballs in medical school. <laughs> yeah, it's um like... I mean, yeah. anyone can grab a Canon 1DX camera, which is going to run you $7,000, and you're going to get a decent shot no matter how good you are. True. And, I wish I could afford one of those. Like, And that's man. what Instagram is, and that's what the news local news in every market is is it's mostly people who aren't good at doing their job calling themselves photogs and it i find it a i find it a moral issue what do you think about a newspaper outlets uh, getting rid of the photog position and just having their reporters take photos with their phones like uh i remember the controversy around the world series Uh, was it the boston globe yeah yeah no no like that photo was really sad because like the composition was nearly on point it was nearly on point, but it front focused a little bit, and the main shot that they wanted to capture was just blurry or not not necessarily sharp, and that was a little heartbreaking to see because what they 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 broke that curse in particular, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. See, what most um, directors don't see is how human beings think and operate. Writing in a newspaper, what what is your objective? You're you're creating, you're telling a story, you're painting a picture, and 
people, yeah, they can read words, but they also read pictures. And so if you're going to have only one aspect of a print journalism, you're going to have a failed newspaper, you're going to have a failed magazine. Mm -hmm. The reason why National Geographic is so good is not only because of their images are stunning, but it's because they're some of the best writers in the world. And they those are. are generally not photographers. Well, they were yeah. good up until like they handed out like 90-something pink slips the day that um, – Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, took over. That that bumped me out a lot. Like I canceled my Nat Geo subscription that day. I'm like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> and that goes back into what I'm talking about is painting a picture. There's a reason why they love to kill photographers and journalists in the foreign world because when you really capture the story and you tell the story – it's going to make people in this country cry, and it's yeah. going to make them physically sick, and they're going to do something about it. And in this country, our primary export is war and misery. <laughs> and <laughs> so, and fat people. <laughs> Let's be real here. Yeah, right. Slug them up to the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's truth. Yeah, like photos, <laughs> photos are important. I mean, uh, when the camera was invented... Uh, the photos that they took of like the child, uh, the child laborers back in the day, like that helped, you know, repeal those acts. And it's important to have those. Uh, and the effect that, you know, photography has on the world, I feel, has really been undermined now, especially with like the journalistic integrity. and everything. Vietnam was ended from two mm -hmm. photographers. Exactly. And if we and we have better photographers now in this world than we did in Vietnam. Better equipment. Yeah. 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 And if you put photographers into the war zones and you kind of see a little bit on vice but if you really let them expose what their shutters have seen we Ooh. wouldn't be in this war still no yep. yeah. yeah there it, it feels like there used to be a lot more honesty and it seems like maybe we've just turned i mean it's we're kind of at an all-time high right now with like fake news manipulating oh. images everything and it's become a national crisis that even our president has addressed um it seems like it's easier to lie now than it ever has been, and it's kind of undermining the entire integrity of the industry. I call it virtual reality. I think we now believe more about, like, the version of the world on the Internet and not the version in the real life. Like, you know, everyone Photoshops their face when they upload a selfie yes. or, you know, they, they edit or manipulate and, and or they try to paint this picture that they're this completely different person online than they truly are now. Like, there's yeah. some people who are, you know, who are millennials these days. Like, I, I pay, try to pay attention to them sometimes, but... Whenever I take photos of them, I can't get them to just stay still and be in the moment. They're they're in concerts and you know they're just Snapchatting their whole concert away. Like Ugh. no one wants to watch your crappy video from your cell phone. I'm Ugh. sorry. Mm -hmm. Like I get that you were there, but one Snapchat. That's it. Like yeah. quick five ten second video. You're good. Dude, you were there. That's I've cool. I've experienced that myself. Sitting <laughs> behind someone at a Taylor Swift concert. I was just gonna say oh. Taylor Swift. I was just gonna yes. say that. You took oh. that right out of my mouth. We were yeah. there together and. One person in front of us filmed the entire concert on her phone, and I bet you a week later she couldn't remember the way it felt to be there. She didn't have any awareness of the crowd, and, like, it was powerful. There were 50, over 15,000 people there. T-Swift had got – her people had, like, lights on everything that we beautiful. could hold up. It mm -hmm. was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And she's not going to remember that. Yeah, she just shook it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what she's supposed to do is pay someone like Rolling Stones to, to get a recap of that tour who pays – hundreds of thousands of dollars for a great photographer or a team of them. And I think that that's part of the industry that's been really hurt is, mm -hmm. and all these people who are claiming themselves as, oh, I'm a professional videographer. I'm a professional photographer because I can buy this set lens. Mm -hmm. I can, I have this camera. I have this phone. And what it does is it destroys your career. It destroys my career. 
and it destroys hundreds of other thousands of people's career who are really fucking good at this. You know, and- I'm I like I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because like not a lot of people understand necessarily like the they don't impact. Correlate it. Yeah, they don't they don't get it. Like for example, for Taylor Swift, like let's say like a lot of people were offered the ability to sh- to take photos at that concert throughout the world. But here's the thing, her contract specifically stated that if you break, like, for example, first of all, you get to take photos for the first three songs, no flash, which is, you know, standard whenever you take concert to, uh, fo- photos at concerts. But then she owns all your photos. If you break any of her rules, her team gets to destroy your equipment. What? No, no, really? that's that's literally what happened. And that's why a lot of different newspapers. And that can be held up in court? Yeah. Because you signed a contract you signed giving away your then, equipment. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's not something that they gave to you in advance either. Like with ad- with advance, at least you have the ability to talk with the teams like, hey, I don't think this is right. Can you do this? Can you do that? But since she's a bigger star, that she gets to put that in her contract, which is why I'm like, yeah, I'm not even going to try to see if she wants photos at all. Like, why would I? I don't want to lose creative um control over my uh, photos like as a freelance photographer or like even freelance photographers from the past they may not they might not have a 401k they might not their 401k is their archive of photos that they can license to museums to different magazines to um, merchandise in particular like that's where a lot of income in particular is being stripped out and yeah you know some people are going to say oh you're just into this for the money but here's the fact like a lot of people make money in this industry in particular and are able to live creatively as a professional because they have that archive and they could license it in the future. Let's say, for example, let's say, uh, Johnny, let's say, for example, that you were a photographer, you're starting out and you took one of the first photos of Bruno Mars doing his thing. Mm -hmm. And let's say some lawyer uh, who's working on behalf of Bruno Mars on, you know, this is just hypothetical, yeah. makes you sign away all the rights to your photos because like, hey, you know, I just want to keep this. We want to make sure that we have complete creative control. And then later on, you're completely stripped of those rights later on because the copyright in particular for your photos belongs to you if you click the shutter. Wow. Yeah. Like, for example, there's this uh, photo that was taken. Um, I think this monkey took a selfie. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know well, the one you're talking about. Exactly. It's a gorgeous oh, selfie. Yeah. yeah. And wow. that photo belongs, funny story, to, to government. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the monkey has no rights, inalienable rights. I know. It's just yeah. free Harambe. It blows my mind. <laughs> free Harambe. 15,000 votes for Harambe. Uh, oh. Wow. But so. it's, yeah, there's just a lot of really weird things that I've learned in this industry, and it's just one of them uh-huh. definitely don't sign those contracts. Okay. So, where do you come on Copyright. with Google Image? With Google Image? Yeah. And, you know, if, uh, if I type in Selma Hayek, if I type in Sunsets, I'm going to get 600,000 photos of mm-hmm. whatever I type in. And people can then take those images and throw them on their Instagram accounts and on their Twitter accounts. And, on their Facebook, and they can make memes out of them, and they can do everything else, and then you're almost getting into this fair use clause because they've now captured that image. See, that's that's actually yeah. the I'm I'm very glad you brought that up because that's um that's actually one of the reasons I'm debating um if I should just say hey I'm going to move my practice over to LA and go to law school and try to practice copyright law because right now the internet's a huge gray area. Yeah. Mm. Because for example, I like, thrive off of it with this network. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The uh, the only thing though is um, 
if if you have a um, photographer who has copyrighted their images, not necessarily for fair use, because fair use in particular does, you know, if it's journalistic, um, I, I don't remember everything about it right now off the top of my head, but there's specific uh, things within fair use that you can use it. But if you're parody, yeah, which is a big one because I. I can play any song in this world, and I can say "fuck this song," and I'm cool. Yeah, yeah. especially if I'm not selling advertising off of this. Do memes fall under parody? Is yeah, that where they go? Of course they do. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. but that's the thing: if you make money in particular from a celebrity's image without their consent, that's that's where you get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So with Google Image in particular, let's say one of my images pops up, and then they try to take that image. Like, there's actually a warning whenever you pop this image might be copyrighted. Yeah. So if you take that, here's what here's what's going to happen. If I you could submit an unlimited amount of images to the copyright office for fifty five dollars before it's even published to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or even for mass distribution. That's the definition of it being published. Now, if you um, if you register those images and then from there someone aside from your clients who you side rights to takes it and uses it to make money some sort of monetary gain because you could try to say social media isn't, but quite frankly, after studying marketing, social media is part of your marketing mix. I've talked to clients about it. I've charged them for it. I've sent them invoices in regards to um, copyright infringements for some of my photos. And that's a minimum of $750 per image stolen. That's a federal law. And that's the thing. If you steal an image, they will have to pay for your legal fees too. Which is really interesting because, for example, Diodario, I did this workshop on Photoshop World 2015. I was I was just participating in it and listening to some of these copyright lawyers. And they got this guy about, like, what, $500,000 because they got a small sliver of an image from a band that this guy took photos for. And they didn't get the rights for it. They had to pay the legal fees plus 500000 about. Wow. Yeah. It's real business because – People are having a harder and harder time making money. Yeah. And so they're really depending on the litigation aspect of our laws to supplement income. It's, it's, a, it's a strange world that we're walking into with yeah. uh, the Internet. It's the Wild West. Yeah. I, I dig it. Like, oh, I, think I love it's, it, too. It's, 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 um, there's so many cameras out there in the world, but less photographers than we've ever had in, like, at a time. You believe that? That's the truth? I think that it is because, like, think about it. How many times do you actually print your images? Oh, boy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And think about this. Like, let's say you have an external hard drive, right? Do you know the fail rate of different hard drives out there? It's high. Super high. It's very high. So if you don't have a cloud system, for example, me, I have a 25 terabyte uh, RAID 1 server in my home that I purchased specifically to keep images, like, for the past three or four years. Oh. Then I also have a cloud server that way, all the images go up there, and all those images, for the most part, are copyrighted. If if um, if in the past I've signed one of those contracts that ships me of right due to uh, rights due to um, a specific client need, then I get rid of those because there's no purpose of keeping the space, yeah. and it's just wow. a waste. So, I don't know. I mean, so when you sign them away, you just delete them. Yeah, might as well. Yeah, yeah because there's sense. there's no point in wow. keeping them. Like, what they're going to say that they want their images for future use? Yeah, you're not going to get that. I'm sorry. You're not. Like, you could uh, try to dig through my deleted files, but trust me, like, <laughs> I get rid of them. Yeah. Last oh. thing before I die, please del- delete my internet history. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, so you said that uh, one of the things, uh, one of the industry standards, is that you you can only shoot the first three songs. Yeah. So it um, it depends on the artist because I've had a few artists that say, "Hey, I want you to photograph the last three songs instead of the first three. and that originated with glam rock. Surprisingly, wow. really glam rock and papers because um, you know heavy makeup, really Wigs. bright stage lights <laughs> melts off your face. So that's why first three first three songs, and then a lot of these music journalists that initially started out, you know, it's like, hey, I got my first three songs. I need to get these. Um, I need to develop these and make sure that my editor picks one out so I could publish this in the paper tomorrow. That's it. Wow. Yeah. How much stress is involved in your job? Um, between people trying to jump me, between people smacking for your stuff. camera. Oh no, no, no. so um. <laughs> So yeah, what happened? Let me explain. Yeah, we, so I was, we were t- we were talking about this a while ago, yeah. and it was really funny because well, okay, it wasn't funny. So there's these um, this this these two incidents happened within one week outside one of the venues I was taking photos at. Um, there's this man yelling at his wife. Right, you really yelling, starting to make her cry. I'm like, okay, maybe I should start taking photos. Atten- yeah, yeah. <laughs> start paying attention, taking some videos, see what happens. And then next thing you know, he punches her, and I'm like, <gasps> oh hell no! Oh. So I jump in there. I punched him a few times. Like, okay, you better get away. I'm gonna call the cops, and I have this on video. Like, go away. I'm like, and then say, "Are you, ma'am? Are you okay?" She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just gonna. I, I'm just waiting for my Uber, and he's just being very, you know, he's just being abusive right now. And I'm like, that's not okay. How is this a thing? And you know, that's random shenanigans I get myself into. And the second one, um, there was these. Uh, I just finished taking photos of uh, Cloud Von Stroke over at Sky, and I walk out um, towards the parking lot right in front of the. Uh, is it the Hilton? Yeah, that's the Hilton, right? It's the Hilton yeah, over there. yeah, and. These two skinnier little guys are getting the crap beaten out of them. They're bleeding from the bridge of their nose from, like, what I was able to see. I'm like, okay, this should probably stop. So I try to stop the fight, and then I get sucker punched by one of these guys, and there are eight of them. Like, he he breaks one of my pair of glasses, so I take it off. I'm like, well, I can't see now. So I put my gear bag behind me, and I start swinging because, like, you sucker punched me. I'm putting you down. Like, you're you're jumping these two guys because you're drunk. I'm going to try to stop you. So I knock three of them down, and then one of them tackles me. And then I break a $3,200 camera, which was in my bag, because he tackles me. So I kick him in the groin, get him off, and his friends are pulling, like, these other three off the ground. And, yeah, things you get into. Things you get into. Wow. Um, between, you know, between physical altercations, um, people not understanding rights within uh, photographer rights in particular within the industry and uh, the stress of undercutting in particular. It's really fun, by the way, getting undercut by clients. Yeah. I lost oh. a um, an artist client recently because it was like, what? Hey, I'm going to do your portrait for X amount and you get these X amount of rights. Oh, yeah, I could do it for 50 bucks. Oh, I worked yeah. with a particular company and they know that I'm a videographer and they wanted me to shoot a bunch of videos that would go on to local television for commercials. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to pay me my wage that they pay me at my said oh. job instead of my photog job. And I said, can't do it, man. Uh, I work in the industry. I'm not undercutting my my fellow professionals. Yes. And, yourself. You. and yourself. And, myself. and yourself. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can't. Because you... But people are so quick to, oh, here's a better example. I work for, I'm an ESPN employee. Mm -hmm. Anyone who is aware of what's going on in television, one of the most affected companies in the world is ESPN because they 
bid against themselves. They spend billions of dollars for content, and now no one's watching. They just, not because of their content, because they're cutting cable. Right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. their subscription rates are going down and down, even though they're still demanding the same amount. So they lay off people. They're trying to create a whole bunch of new stuff. And one of the things they do is they'll come into this market, and in, and in my business, we're paid a 10-hour day. Okay? okay? Everything after 10 hours, overtime, after 12 hours, double overtime, on and on and on. And so what they do is they come into gaffs and these type of people and say, hey, come in for five hours. We'll pay you, instead of 30 bucks an hour, we'll pay you $17 an hour, and then you're gone. Mm. And so what they're doing is they're trying, they're taking away jobs and they're undercutting professionals. And so you get students coming in who can't do their jobs, aren't professionals, aren't mm-hmm. seasoned media guys. And you have, and it totally starts to break down the set and what's going on. And I get called all the time. Hey, Sasha, can you come to BYU and do this? Well, what's my rate? We'll pay you this amount for five hours. No, I can't do it. I'm a 10-hour guy, and this is my rate, and I don't negotiate on my rate unless you want to pay me more. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't call me anymore. And that's, you know, I'll be, you know, I do some stuff with them, but I say no to them far more than I should, and this is what media people are doing. You brought up earlier about um, that reporter who was using their cell phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cost-cutting device. And what it does is it's going to start making your product so bad that no one's going to watch it. And that news director trying to save $12,000 in a year's budget mm-hmm. um, is going to be out of a job and is going to be unemployed. really short-sighted. Same thing's happened to me several times this year where I get paid a certain rate and then I see, okay, freelance, you're no longer working here. And suddenly that same job's posted and it's 10 cents a word or a penny per word where I was getting hundreds of dollars for a page or two. And, <sighs> and people are taking it and some of them are adequate, some of them aren't. And it's almost like, companies are kind of cannibalizing themselves with Mm -hmm. bad content and you know what i I rarely see someone charging for cheap that's actually good though that's the weird thing too that's true you know know what it takes when you've actually been through it you know what it takes and you know how much you deserve and how much you're earning but these companies don't care because they're creating so much content and i don't think a lot of their people watch their content that they're creating that's true they don't pay attention to their own blogs, their own websites. Yeah. I know with Fox, they do 97 games a month. How is, how is someone going to be able to watch all four hours of every event? Someone should be, if anyone's going to do diligence. Are you going to pay someone 100 grand to do that? Oh, man, they I'd should. love to do that. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, can I sign up for that, job? Do they want to be number one or not? <laughs> right? <laughs> if you film a Carlos Jr. commercial and you're getting $700,000 to do it and your vectors are off, you, is someone going to point out to Carl's Jr. that they just wasted $700,000? No. Probably not. And no. I'll tell you how that, I mean, I've kind of been in a situation where I had a client that was a hospital, a major hospital here in, well, University of Utah. Yeah. And um, I was hired through an agency that got paid like over, well over half a million dollars. And I did all the work, me and an artist in Arizona, and I did all the, like the copy and someone else did all the artwork. So there was about three of us doing everything. And I got a $50,000 a year, you know, salary to do nearly 90% of all the work. And that's just how it is. And and that's like what? A very small percentage. With, yeah, yeah. And what's happening with the over like, half a million dollars? Like, where did that go? Like, yeah. That that ended with the recession. Yeah. <laughs> two years ago. Yeah. The job was two years ago. <laughs> yeah. No, that um, 
a great videographer, it wasn't uncommon for them in a small market like Utah to make one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Yeah, and you imagine you take that to L.A. and New York and Paris and these other places, you're going to make a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And the what has happened with the technology boom of the last seven eight years is now they don't have to pay that guy with 40 years of experience. They can take a 19-year-old kid that's an early adapter and kind of technically sound, mm-hmm. and he'll figure it out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So what, what kind of a camera equipment do you use, like, when you're at concerts and stuff? Um, so right now, um, so I used to be um, with Nikon. I used to use uh, two pairs of Nikon D750s, a 70 to 200 2.8, the 24 to 70 2.8. Slow down, people who want to copy oh, this. Sorry, sorry, okay. <laughs> So I used to be with Nikon. I used to use the Nikon D750s with a telephoto, the 70 to 200 2.8, the 24 to 70 2.8, the 17 to 35 2.8, and the fisheye, uh, the 16 2.8. And never forget your nifty 50, the 51.8. Uh, right now I'm currently on Sony stuff because they're making strides. But I feel like they're... Kicking Nikon and Canon's butt right now. You're using now. the Alpha? Uh-huh. uh-huh. I love it. Like, um, I'm actually waiting right now for the A99 Mark II to come into stock because it, um, at the end of last month, it came live to buy, and I sat on it because I was just like, eh, I'll buy it later, and then now I'm seeing images from it. I'm like, shoot me. I should have gotten it. Imagine getting 12 frames per second at 42 megapixels of photo. And they're mirrorless, right? They're SLT, so they're see-through lenses, so this uh SLT, I forget the acronym meaning, but um, essentially it's the size of a DSLR. You get the autofocus that you get with, get with the A7R Mark II, or actually a little bit better than that. And then you get 4K video, you get 120 frames per second at 1080p, and it, it just does really well. Um, the Alpha series that you're talking about, I'm actually using the A6300 right now since my A7R Mark II was destroyed in that fight. <laughs> um, hooray yeah. fighting people i'm not i'm i swear i'm not i'm, I'm mostly yeah. a pacifist you're totally until, a pacifist. you need a stun yeah. gun <laughs> I, I, do, I need a concealed bucks. carry yeah utah oh. <laughs> guns and roses has a whole new meaning here <laughs> um but um yeah like uh, i love the sony um alpha series right now with the e-mount fe mount and the a mounts right now um I'm using the uh, 22.8 for my wide angles with the uh, fisheye adapter sometimes because, you know, with EDM artists, you really need that nice fisheye look that they all have the same photo every single time. So um, certain artists have specifics that they want? Like, genres, yeah. genres. Specific genres, genres yeah. in particular because, um, like, with EDM, as, as a lot of you may know, like, if you pay attention to, mm-hmm. like, some of the bigger artists that shoot – or bigger photographers shoot bigger artists like Rooks or you get um, – uh, if if you check out Rooks' stuff, like you'll see it, like big fisheye shots with fireworks everywhere. It's crazy, crazy awesome stuff. And so, then you, yeah, sorry. Before you shoot them, do they give uh, you like a packet, or do you just kind of know this from working in the industry? Um, you kind of like just pick it up. Packet? Yeah, you you just kind of pick it up over time. You obviously consult with a tour manager first, okay. like hey, what's okay and what's not okay? Because some people, yeah, um, you know, <laughs> shooting EDM artists is not the same thing as shooting just. Any other artist, because sometimes they will want you to use flash. Sometimes they won't want you to use flash. Sometimes you can go in front of the stage. Sometimes you can't. But for the most part, you either wear stage blacks or stage whites, depending on the festival or the whatever you shoot for the most part. 
Do you use a tripod, a monopod? Do you use anything like that? Um, I try to stay away from tripods. Um, I stick with monopods because I'm not a very tall person at 5'9". Well, that's average height, but in Utah, they grow them real tall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, a lot of inbreeding here, man. It's hey, weird. <laughs> uh, incest is not wincest, people. Incest is not wincest. Um, so you use a monopod. Yeah, definitely a monopod to get really high up sometimes. I remember you did that at Flume. When yeah. We at Flume, you got that yeah. really cool picture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely necessary if you need to reach up sometimes because some of these stages are like six, seven feet up. And it's like, um, I can't reach that. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so how, on average, how many photos do you take a concert? Two to three thousand. Really? How many do you love? Maybe three or four. <laughs> I actually have a problem with that. Um, I see a lot of sport photographers at my venues mm-hmm. just clipping, clipping, clipping away. And mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think that you have to rely on the camera so much to get a great photo. I think that you can be more patient and reserved on when you're, cause every, once you start watching something enough, you know where the hero shots are going to come, mm-hmm. you know where the body's going to move it. Even with concerts, it, there's only so many movements they can do on a stage. There's only so many places your jaws can extend to when you're singing an A note, or if you're in a C note, your face is going to, and so you should, as a photographer, start to understand this. And I think that having to review 3000 images is a waste of someone's time. I think that you're creating tremendous amount of, um, wear and tear on your gear. You know, some of these big places don't care because they'll buy you a new camera every six months a year. But then I think you're also relying on technology too much because back in the day when you saw really stunning photos, they were using film. Hmm. You're not getting mm-hmm. 3,000 shots at a Grateful Dead show. Yes, getting... you can. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just piles and piles of film. You're oh, getting gosh. 30, and the depth of field is phenomenal, and the expression of Garcia's face is spectacular because that photog's taking his time. He's being patient. He's understanding his vision. And like a hunter. Yes, no, I you know yes. I I actually agree with you because um, like I shoot two to three thousand photos a show because I'm not just shooting the artist. Depending on my clients, I'm also taking photos of the people. Mm-hmm. They're imposing mm-hmm. them, having fun and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, for you know to get a lot of these emotional shots because sometimes some of these artists could do something that's hey super lucky moment. Would you rather be lucky or would you rather abuse your gear and make sure that you get the shots that you need? Because realistically, space relatively cheap. Mm-hmm. space is cheap gear like we were talking about this a while ago with a boom in regards to technology recently putting a lot of people out of work because they can get um great photos with not a lot of uh skill necessarily there and realistically gear is relatively cheap now i mean yeah you, you know some some people are going to buy like the 1dx uh the mark uh the canon 1dx2 but at the same time, I'm getting the A6300 with, you know, 12 frames per second at under $1,000 for the body. Yeah, it's a crop frame. But at the same time, like, I'm getting photos that are just as good, if not slightly better, than I was getting with a full frame D750 at 12 frames per second. And for me, like, space is cheap, gear is cheap. Why not use it? Because if you look at Adam L. Micaias, he shoots and burns like crazy. He shoots a lot of photos. A lot of other tour photographers I've spoken to, like they, they sometimes they'll hunt, you know, and be very patient about it. And sometimes they'll just shoot like crazy. And you know, there's a good happy medium. Like when I was using the A7R Mark II, that's what I was shooting Flume with. I was definitely, I definitely didn't shoot two thousand photos for that show. Definitely not because um, I was limited to five frames a second. 
at 42 megapixels a shot, it's going to be a little bit slower. But it definitely made me sit down and hunt more and just be patient. I think shooting from two different perspectives, both the hunting and being patient and also shooting and burning, they both have their pros and cons, but mm. it it depends on the show. You try me. to find the balance? Yeah. yeah. Because I'm not going to shoot a DJ just sitting there um, you know, producing their music live sometimes or playing pre pre-mixed stuff. I'm not going to shoot two, 3,000 frames of them. It's really a fascinating art that you're in, and it's something I fully don't understand because I, I don't understand that whole marketing aspect of an image, and mm-hmm. I've kind of even refused to let my brain go into that side, you know, using the bright reds and bright blues and <laughs> colors, and it, it it's so far away from my career that I don't get it, but I, I really do. I find a great photographer... One of the, I think photography is one of the most beautiful art forms that we have in our modern society, and and I'm, I'm excited and I'm really terrified of where photography is going to be in ten years and in twenty mm-hmm. years, and if, even if we still have cameras, if they're not just goddamn holographs that we're manipulating, yeah, we're gonna have say, glasses. Harry like, Potter told us, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was in there. J.K. Rowling knew. <laughs> yeah. So in closing up here. Because of the access of technology and learning how to be an early adapter, is going to school for film and photography, is that important? Is that a, or is that something that's dead? You know, um, I think I might be controversial here, but I actually think that it's dead at this point because um, some of the best schools for photography, the for-profit schools, have shut down, um, you know, 40, 50 years ago, they were booming. They're making a lot of money, but now they've shut down, and that's truly unfortunate. But at the same time, you've got people like myself who I didn't really study classical photography. I still shoot film. I shoot medium format. I shoot 35s, and that's fine, but I learned that all on my own. I think what's really important, though, is um, you know, being able to take things from different disciplines – like design, because composition, color, mm-hmm. design is very important in regards to photography. Because the technical aspect of it, like being able to shoot a running back running at full speed, um, that can be learned. If you're going to be doing video, um, for example, like if you're going to shoot super slow motion, 120 frames per second, you'd best be knowing that you're going to be shooting at 200, one, 200, one over 250th of a second for to, to capture that, you know, accurately patience yeah. so it's it's all you can learn the technical stuff one of the things that i'm really frustrated now um about my experience at the university of utah and going back <laughs> to school was i didn't go into the faculty directory and google every professor and look at their work and compare it to nyu or syracuse or mm-hmm. these other places because i don't think if you go into school for film or photography or even now computer imaging, I don't think you're paying to learn the technology. I think you're paying to get the wisdom of a professor. Yeah. And I think that your $25,000 at school X is not the same $25,000 value you're getting at school Y because True. of the wisdom of your professor. Absolutely. I can see that. Study who you want to learn from instead of the school you want to go to. Don't let a college yeah. football team correlate the content of the <laughs> professorship yeah. at your universities. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that that's one of the things that young students are really falling into. I'm going to USC. 
oh my God, they got the Trojans and they're one of the greatest football teams in the world. <laughs> yeah, and they used to have a great media school too, but now it fucking blows. And it's not <laughs> you know? PhDs that are teaching them it's, or grading their work. It's, it's their student aides. Kids. Yeah. It's the aides. That's why I actually left the U. I started there mm-hmm. and left um, after switching my major from pre-med to English because mm-hmm. I didn't like the English department. I went to UVU where every single person that taught me hands-on PhD and most are published. Yeah, nice. yeah. That is true. I had a I had a PhD student tell me that using the allegory of a cave by Plato wasn't relevant to the modern world because. <laughs> 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 and I said, no one's written it better, ma'am. You know, he's explaining to you how you create a you capture an image and tell a story, and. It was one of the most asinine things I'd ever heard in my entire life. I almost cried that night. I was just, I was so f- mad. I was like, I'm wasting my money mm. listening to this woman speak to me and then have the ability to judge me and predicate my future based on her feelings towards me. You know, like, so be careful with that. Yeah. And, um, you know, going on that, like, it's, it's really interesting to see how, like, at least in, in particular, your experience with academia and uh, film and photography sure. and all that. Like, it's interesting to hear that because, um, for example, one of my mentors initially, uh, she she taught me a lot when I first started out. Her name is Anna Larson. She actually stopped taking photos now. Um, she actually, she was a photography major at the U, but then she just realized that it's all bullshit. Mm. It's all crap. Like, anyone can make anything artistic, which really sucks because I thought she was really good at what she does. Like, to this day, I think that if her and I were to go against each other, like, in... Like just shooting photos, I think she'd still kick my butt because there's a lot of things um, that you can learn for sure from professors who know what they're doing. But it, it's it's really interesting to see like different perspectives for sure. A lot of it's the breaks too. I know people that had my job that were probably better than me and intrinsically better at their job than I am, but they left because they couldn't get that next break <sighs> because yeah. they didn't have the ability to show up on time or uh, they were ADD and distracted themselves all the time or there was some reason why they failed and it had nothing to do with their technical ability, but it, whether it was personality, whether it was something else, they won't get that next push. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can be the greatest photography person in the world, but if you got a shitty personality or you're arrogant, you're not going to be working very long. It's about relationships. Yeah. yeah. It's like, can I hang out with this person for 12 hours and work with them? Right. Yeah. That's a big That's factor. That's a huge part. And we do, I mean, with school and corporations, there's definitely some institutionalization to art when you're attaching benefits and money to it. There's going to be a, an interesting and strange exchange. Oh, I feel you. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm actually really glad I left the U because um, I, I used to work there at the, um, I used to be the photographer over at the healthcare sciences and it was creatively stifling. It really was like shooting the same boring stuff every single day it's good to learn though you, you probably learned something yeah um i learned that uh <laughs> it's very difficult to make doctors laugh <laughs> no but you, you got paid and that goes on your resume and it's more of an incentive to get paid and you were dealing with i think you probably learned a lot more than you think even though it, it was just more it was corporate monotony. was that yeah. the problem no, like that's the thing. I've um I've worked in I've worked in corporate before as a marketing person and also as an artist and I've liked working with them because they they knew enough in business that trust who you hire mm-hmm. because they will be able to guide you in the right direction to create the images and the video and whatever else you need. Because like it's like saying, Hey, I'm gonna hire one of the best chefs in the world, but I'm gonna tell them what ingredients to use. Mm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you're 
you're cutting off a person's hands and you're expecting him to dig a hole. Mm. Like, yeah. really? <laughs> Part of being yeah. a professional is knowing when to recognize other professionals and let them be. Like, yeah. I wouldn't tell you how to write. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you how to take a I'll video. I'll take your ass. <laughs> right? Like, I think that it's imperative for professionals and people who are, you know, if you hire someone, yeah, give them a little bit of a creative push in regards to where you're going, but don't put a stick up their butt and yeah. pretend like you're a ventriloquist, but it's not It's not going to work out. There's parameters, like a word count or yeah. whatever. Like, mm. follow the parameters, mm-hmm. definitely. So so as we as we wrap this up, I was just wondering, do you have any advice to any, you know, photographers that are starting out? Like, you know, any resources or anything that you wish you had known before you got into this? You know, um, one thing I definitely recommend is um, read a lot. A lot of people don't want to read anymore. There's a lot of um, bullshit out there on YouTube. There's a lot of bullshit out there on the internet. Don't trust them. Like, uh, there's, a, there's a few very good resources for sure. Um, look up books on, uh, like, the Photographer's MBA. Like, look at that for sure because I'll teach you the necessary business skills in particular, especially if you don't – if you think that school is too expensive. Like, it'll, it'll give you a really good start into it and then if you want to – uh, you know, if you want to become a music photographer, start shooting the locals. Show love to your locals because the locals are um, – will they'll give you so much love back. Like I'm actually really jealous of Provo in particular because they have such a good local scene versus Salt Lake City or Ogden. Yeah, that's oh, – yeah. like, like a blur. And, mm-hmm. yeah. It's been around since I was in high school, a long yeah, time ago. I remember. I used to go there all the time. Like yeah. I've actually never shot a show at Valor. I want to shoot a show at Valor, but like – it's it's just never the stars have just just haven't aligned. <laughs> I've got another really good piece of advice for people who want to get into film and photography. American Cinematographer Journal. Okay. What is it? The American Cinematography Journal. Okay. It's phenomenal. Awesome. It, or, um, you want to ASM. learn about apertures and shutter speeds and what they really are and you know how to use light as a friend instead of fighting it. Mm-hmm. You, you got to learn that technology, that left brain shit. It, it's mm-hmm. yeah. It's really, I'm not left-brained at all, but I'm really creative, and mm-hmm. trying to blend those two together is really hard for me, as where, I think, but I think that's hard for every artist, mm-hmm. you know, because it's hard to become a great artist till you're 40, because it takes a long time to... Oh, yeah. Get age definitely. into it. You yep. gotta get your PhD in it. You know? Life experience, of, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or like a look up uh, ASMP, the um, American Society of Media Professionals. It works uh, for... Um, for photographers, for me in particular, I love them. Super good resource in regards to a lot of the legal stuff too. Or mm-hmm. uh, go with PPA, the Professional Photographers of America, if you want to get um, – it's like a th- I think a $300 cost per year. But you get so much education from it from people who shoot a lot of weddings, portraits and all that. And there's a lot to learn from them. Yeah. Like, I've learned a lot from them. Cheaper than college. Let, let me yeah. shoot a couple of things. We're going to be out here in about five minutes. But I, in thinking of closing this up, yeah. one of the big problems for young people in wanting to go into photography is the money. Yeah. There is a technical divide stamped onto photography mm-hmm. and a financial divide. Is it okay to start out with a Canon D80 or a D70? Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. Like There's nothing wrong with starting with cheap gear. Yeah. Should someone... Go to a community college and just to get access to um, technology. Is that okay or is that not – is that faux pas to go to a community college? It, it depends on your learning style mm-hmm. because I, 
as a person, I don't think it's right for me to determine for everyone, like, hey, you should definitely go to college or you shouldn't go to college. Everyone has their different learning styles. So if you excel in school in an academic setting, yeah, go for it. Like, if you know that's what you're good at, then go for it. But Save not. money and be patient and wait for that camera you want or have 1500 bucks and just go buy something to get your hands on something. Hmm, that's a very good question because I I'm guilty of spending it right off the bat. Yeah, but me too. If, yeah, <laughs> I'm guilty of that. But for me, realistically, I think it would be better just to save up for it. But you know, working as as a professional at this point, it's more like get the gear that you need and the money will come. Like mm-hmm. if you're good at what you do, once you get past the learning point, but you no know, one ever ever really stops learning in this industry, to be honest. So once you're at the point where you're consistently making money. Get get the gear that you need, and then the money will come eventually. Obviously, don't don't bury yourself in debt. Like Zach Arias, check him out. Dead Pixel, D E D P X L. Ah, I guess yeah. where I got some inspiration. <laughs> M I G P X L. Uh, definitely one of the guys I was learning. Um, you know, paying attention to a lot uh, when I first started in photography. Um, Zach Arias, for sure. He said he he graduated from art school, made a lot of you know, got best portfolio. Went bankrupt because he bought too much gear and it just really didn't work out for him. Then he came back, didn't really spend a lot, and he was blessed enough to make it, which is really good. Two more things on this. Yeah. Um, Buying used gear. Do it. I love used gear. (laughs) Craigslist, KSL, do it. Why? Um, For me, I don't like buying absolutely brand new gear because realistically every single camera or lens will suffer from digital rot. It's not like the film days where you could just buy like, hey, I'm going to buy a Leica and it's going to be fantastic forever and ever. Because, you know, images back then relied on film, right? Like how good your film is in particular. Now it's like every single year a new camera is going to come, new camera is going to come out, new camera is going to come out. So just buy you stuff. Like, so what if you have like a hundred something thousand clicks on it? It's it's rated up to like three hundred thousand uh, clicks or five hundred thousand clicks anyway. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's, and if I want to go to Canon and go on their refurbished link, refurbished mm-hmm. cameras are good too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, as long as you obviously have insurance. Like if you're starting out, I would suggest going to like State Farm or Allstate or whatever, getting some personal property insurance. And, you know, that way at least you're covered. Cameras break all the time. All the time. Even if you're the most careful bud in the world, you're going to drop a camera. Yep. Mm -hmm. How about renting your gear? Yes or no? Yes. If if it comes to the point where you need something and it's way too expensive, like let's say a client wants you to shoot on a red, a scarlet or something, you know, definitely rent it. If that's your your client's necessity, rent it. Don't buy it. Like... You know, don't don't buy something that's fifty thousand dollars. Because technology is rots. expanding to mm-hmm. yes, it yeah. rots. That's faster. the perfect it way rots. to say it. It rots. Yeah, it totally it rots. rots. Yeah. Last question from me: Is it good to get a receipt from a client and do your taxes? Yes. Why? Please, because it just it, that way the government doesn't come after you. You're actually paying your dues back to society and. For me, it just keeps everything in line so that, you know, you're able to – let's say for me, for example, as a freelancer now, having my own company, my, my own MIGPXL, MIGPXL company, 
It allows me to build business credit so that in the future, if I ever need to rent one of those cameras, if I ever need that specific amount of insurance for shooting some events, I'll be able to get it and be able to grow and pick up more clients instead of, oh, I cheaped out initially. Mm-hmm. Like, that sucks. You know what I mean? If you really want to make it, the IRS will come after you yeah. if you don't pay your taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, uh, yeah. And, and if you're flying drones and you don't have insurance and you don't have your pilot's license, you're going to prison. Whoa. Yes. If you exactly. hurt someone. Yes. Protect Isn't, yourself and your clients. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Wait, so I have a question real quick. So isn't the uh, – correct me if I'm wrong. Is the fee right now for drone, like doing it illegally or something, like 40000 something plus prison time? Yes. Yeah. It, I met this guy on a commercial shoot. He shoots drones in Hollywood for uh, television and movies, mostly movies. Mm-hmm. He charge, He makes roughly $250,000 a year. He carries $25 million of insurance. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah, because those drones, especially if you got like a red camera on there, they mm-hmm. start getting very heavy and they fly very fast and they're hard to see. And if you cut someone's, if you cut Brad Pitt's throat, he's not going to jail. He's not going bankrupt. You have to LLC. You have to get insurance. And you better spend the month getting your pilot's license because mm-hmm. they are not fucking around. It's it's not a joke. No, it's you can really kill someone not. real quick. Easily. Yeah. You can cut your hand off, really fuck other people. You can lose <laughs> yeah. your fingers really quickly trying to land one of those things. And they're sketchy as hell. Whoa. And if you're working on a commercial or TV shoot and you're around, get as far away from that drone as you can. Mm-hmm. Get under 10. Don't trust your drone driver because they're probably stoned. They went to school for a month. There are probably people that couldn't hack a camera job and they lucked into... Buying a good drone and a good camera. So yeah. I hate drones. Yeah. I wish there was a standard. Bring back blimps. <laughs> Hot air balloon. For 2017, bring back blimps. Right. <laughs> Get on that, you hipsters. <laughs> Make America blimp again. All right. So awesome. where can people uh, interact with you or see your images on Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff? Yes. Um, please check me out. My website's at MigPixel, M-I-G-P-X-L.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter. M-I-G-P-X-L. I do need some followers. That'd be great. I'm very infrequent because, you know, life gets kind of busy and I like my clients. But I love you all even more. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so M-I-G-P-X-L. Yeah. That's well, a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for so much. Yeah. Like, I'm really glad to be here and I was able to talk with you guys. La-di-da, la-di-da. I see trees of green Red roses too I see them bloom For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies of blue Clouds of white, the bright blessed day.